Hey, Gavin here. Welcome back to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Season 2 continues with themed revive. And today we're talking about burnout, how to identify the signs of burnout, what to do to address and pull turn around from um, experiencing burnout, the antidotes to burnout. We're joined by psychiatrist Manuel Astruc, and he shares with us his own experiences, both with himself and with countless clients that he's worked with. We explore why burnout's been on the rise and uh, there's been a higher incidence rate of it in organisations of all shapes and sizes since March 2020 and the uh, start of the whole COVID pandemic. But importantly, steps, the practical, implementable things that you can do to improve happiness, to be able to shift away from negativity, to be able to re-energize yourself and have a purpose, a focus and release or recharge energy within your system so you leave burnout behind. If you're loving these podcasts, then please do head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash business master. It's super easy. I promise you, your support really is appreciated. And it helps in the creation of these in-depth masterclasses and interviews to equip you, your team and your business for growth. If you have supported us already, many thanks. And if not, you can do this by heading over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash business master. You'll also be able to get access to exclusive content from the guests and myself, further insights and information on the featured episodes, and how you can get more access for you and your business. Hello and welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast and to our season entitled Revive. Today, we are talking to psychologist Manuel Astruc, who is an expert in helping entrepreneurs deal with, but more importantly, avoid burnout. Um, Manuel, welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast. Yeah, a pleasure to be here. And just one little teeny, um, so I'm a psychiatrist rather than a psychologist. Um, Sorry, yeah, my bad, my bad, sorry. No, that's good. That's a very important distinction as well. <laughs> so please, by way of introduction, share a bit of your story because it, it, you had a, a tragic and poignant moment in your life that set, set you off on a, on a different trajectory and a different path. And we'll, we'll get on to talk about your next act shortly. But I'd like you to share firstly your story. So I am a psychiatrist and 12 years ago, I found that something had to change in my life. I had gotten just incredibly burnt out. And this was September 2012. And uh, my, my sister had passed away, my, my twin sister. Um, and she uh, lived the last years of her life with a brain tumor. And she showed up every day, smiling, grateful for what she had. And after she passed away the month before, I uh, was just completely burnt out. And looking at a picture of her one afternoon, I was just so cognizant that uh, I was healthy. My practice was thriving from the outside. Everything was fine. And I was miserable. And I made a decision then that uh, I had to enjoy the ride no matter what. And, and that's led to a lot of changes over the last um, years that to get me to where I am today. But that was the inspiration that really had me, even though I'm the helper that helps others, like I really had to take a good hard look at myself and how I was thinking and what I was doing in my life. 
And what were the what were the things that you recognised you would be doing better in terms of what you were doing and how you were thinking? Um, so every day had turned into a treadmill. I loved what I did when I started off, but there was no growth left. I, I um, had a full practice. Uh, there's always room to, to get a little better with you know my my um, approaches, but there were no major changes visible on the horizon. I had sort of maxed out where I was at, and um, you know the the success was supposed to lead to, to happiness, but instead I found that I got there and every day just looked like like a treadmill. I was working 12 hours a day. Um, I was emotionally exhausted. Uh, I had developed kind of a bitterness uh, around life and um, I was no longer feeling or being as effective at work as I could be because of my attitude. And what what were the changes that you either discovered or uncovered that you need to make in order to to change that? So there was a series of them and there were some things that happened immediately. And then in retrospect, looking back, there's some things that I kind of uh, was fortunate to put together. But the immediate changes were, number one was, was this commitment to stop wallowing in my negative thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, which all of us have negative thinking and we can pay attention to that to some extent or all the extent, or we can focus our thoughts on other things. And in that that moment, I I just said, I'm just not going to entertain those thoughts when they come up anymore. Uh, I turned away from things that were negative in my life. So the news, I completely turned that off. I love sports and sports radio, but sports radio had turned into, um, it was drama uh, and, and negativity and bitterness, not not like human excellence anymore. Uh, so I turned that off and, and I started listening to things that were much more inspiring to me. So things like this, like like podcasts and audiobooks, things that helped me to, to learn and to grow. Um, I started to make changes in how I ate and in exercise. And I started with very small changes in the past. I tried to to start exercise practices or changing my diet and I'd go all in with something radical that wouldn't sustain itself. So exercise was literally minutes a day of something that was sustainable that that I could do every single day. There was no excuse not to do two or three minutes. And and from that, I I built that out once the habit was established. Eating, I changed one meal. I changed my breakfast. Um, I I stopped going by a a convenience store to grab a bagel. And and instead, I had a smoothie in the morning. Um, And I concentrated on sleep. Sleep was incredibly important and something that I was also neglecting. So those were immediate changes that that I picked up. Um, you know, other things like starting to have more gratitude uh, were, were really important. But those changes were, were all put in place within days of the commitment that something had to change. Could you change anything in terms of your work practices, could that be in terms of, for example, the number of meetings or client sessions that you scheduled in a day or a week? Like many of us, you know, I didn't have um, really a lot of control over that. So the, the hours that I was working were based on the income that I needed to generate. And, you know, we are, we're taught, I was taught how to work hard 
Um, so in, in, you know, middle school, high school, college, university, and, and you know, grad school, it, it's all about working hard. So whenever I needed more money, there were more kids, there were more bills. Um, I just added more hours to work and, and, you know, you, you just can't keep doing that. So it really wasn't possible to change that around, uh, that much, uh, at that time, but I, I got a vision. So, so the, the next part after I started to work on, you know, the energy steps for myself was really to start to imagine what I could do that would free me up from the time constraints. And it's taken a long time to start to do that. But just having an, uh, a true north to guide me, there's something I can do, a sense of agency that, that I can have here. Um, and, and I started little projects to say, okay, I'm a psychiatrist, but what sort of businesses can I start off from, from psychiatry that might give me some changes in, in my life? Just having an hour a day of, of imagining and working on these outside projects uh, actually was very inspirational and very liberating uh, and, and freed me up in many ways. And the, the changes in terms of work hours uh, will be happening now. Um, I did commit to more time off. Uh, so, so weekends and stuff like that, you know, when I was off, I was off, but, uh, the, the, the trap for many of us is that we get burnt out and there's not a lot of changes that we can actually make within the structure of, of the work that we do. So when you talk to, to clients who, to entrepreneurs who are suffering or then showing the symptoms. Well, first of all, let's, let, let's go through the symptoms or the, the clues that would indicate to someone that when actually they are experiencing burnout. So what are the things that you would look for that would suggest burnout is an issue? Exactly. And that, that's a great way to phrase it, like the clues, because when, when burnout starts, uh, it starts small and, and then it can get bigger. And then at some point it turns into things that are more than just burnout. Um, right. And the way that I think about this is if you, if you arrange people by their height, you know, when someone's uh, very, very tall, like we can all agree they're very tall, but like, where's the cutoff that we go from average to tall? It, it's, it's not a hard distinction, right? Um, so with burnout, the early symptoms that we start to get, the early signs are first that exhaustion, that that's unrelenting and in pretty much evident more and more of the time. So we'll all have bad days or days that we're more tired than others. But when that's starting to happen more frequently and then gets more sustained, that's one of the symptoms, uh, exhaustion. Secondarily, I mentioned the, the cynicism or the bitterness, um, which was a you know, bit of a change from my usual personality. But uh, burnout is associated with this snarky, bitter attitude that, that we start to employ towards, towards the world and our relationships and how we're uh, viewing things. And again, when we are exhausted and tired, we, we may have that here and there. But then when it's more sustained, that's starting to point more towards a problem. And the, the third pace, uh, the third symptom is... Uh, starting to feel like you're losing your effectiveness and then actually starting to lose effectiveness at work. Okay. And are the phases to this degrees of intensity of burnout? Yeah, so, so mild to, to, to more severe um, 
And the, the things that pass severe burnout start to look more like things like, you know, illnesses like depression or anxiety disorders that, that need more than just coaching. Yeah. Okay. So initially at the level of the feeling of exhaustion, cynicism, feeling like you're losing effectiveness through coaching, through thinking differently, through taking care of your sleep, your health, you were talking about earlier on, uh, your diet, you can address those. But actually, if you're in the point of depression, then you need more uh, professional help with that. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, I make a distinction that you know, if you know, so I do this all day long with with my private practice, and I, I keep the two separate. But um, when it gets to the point that your ability to function and, you know, multiple areas of your life are starting to be affected, then, then that warrants taking a look at uh, in a different way than just coaching. So, so that illness kind of breaks the model of, of just like, you know, eat more broccoli. Right. So. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. So I want to come back to the point you made about cynicism. Yeah. What's your interpretation as what, what caused, what, prompts that shift becoming more cynical around the things that are happening in the world or your life? I I think that you just get a very narrow focus on the things that are going wrong in in your life. Um, And and the cynicism and bitterness is like every day you're on a treadmill and and you're tired and you see other people smiling or happy or, or, um, you know, seeming to be okay uh and and our reaction is that we start to focus more and more on those things that we don't have any control over the things that are missing um and part of the you know response when we get stressed out is that we actually lose things like you know our ability to be creative or think outside the box um we we get more and more trapped and, and i think that's where the cynicism comes from and over time that gets worse presumably because if you lose your ability to be creative to think out of the box you use your lose your your ability to problem solve that to think to get out of that box or to get out of that rut becomes lower and um your desire to be creative if you are reflecting and and, and doubting your capabilities and your self-worth you you're in this you're stuck, aren't you, in this perpetual kind of downward spiral if you're not careful? It's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, so the, the mindset, you know, will lead to more and more of the problems that, that you know, um, you're having, you're experiencing without something breaking that cycle. So how do you help someone? What, what are the first things you look to do um, in your practice to help an entrepreneur who is demonst- who is already sort of exhibiting exhaustion, the cynicism, and who is actually losing effectiveness and productivity? You know, the, the, the things that I always remember, and I try to help people um, who are listening to the podcast and, and whatnot, is, you know, three key phrases that we can use for ourselves or for others when they're having a, a, a hard time uh, emotionally. But, but the, the first things are, are really around hope. So, you know, there is hope is one big message for people. Change is possible and you don't have to be alone. 
So by the, so by the time someone comes to me, you know, my ability to, to, to listen and to understand and to elicit that, that hope response is, is humongous. Um, and then the, the idea that, uh, change is possible. What are the changes that we need to make for you? And, and generally, you know, the, the levers that we're pulling on is, you know, number one, the energy, like what are the energy habits that need to be put in place if they're not already in place, uh, sleep, eating better, moving more, um, cutting out the negativity, a gratitude practice, um, all of those are, are relatively straightforward to, to, to put in place. And then we start to look at this, this sense of autonomy. So you've lost autonomy or agency in your life. You know, every day is a treadmill. There's nothing that I can do. My mind has like run out of ideas. And it's really to start to look at, you know, where is their autonomy? And one of the places that- so What would you mean by autonomy and agency? Um, an ability to affect change in your life. Okay. Yep. So that you take back control instead of being at, um, being at effect, being a victim, you become at cause. Exactly. Exactly. So you back to, sorry, I interrupted you. So when I wanted to clarify what you meant by uh, accountability and agency, yeah. so you help them look for places in their life where they do have some control, where they are able to influence what happens. Yeah. And, and so much of that is our mental mindset. Right, the um, the 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 mindsets that that people have. So um, some quick wins can be around like where are the areas in your life right now that you can like highlight that you're still enjoying. Let's find thirty to forty to an hour, you know, uh, uh, thirty to forty minutes or an hour that we can help you to highlight that these are enjoyable things for you. Um, let's start to put the focus back on those things that light you up uh, because the mindset of cynicism and bitterness has you just kind of minimizing those things, right? Everything globally is terrible, even though you may have a blast, like, you know, coaching your kids, you know, soccer team. Um, yeah. So you, back to your point about cynicism, it, it generates an, a narrow focus on the things that are going wrong. Yeah. And actually the, the, what they're doing in their own mind is blowing that up into a yeah. proportion or generalizing it across everything in their life yeah. going wrong. And what you're trying to do is come up with a counter argument a time or times when the things are going well, that are generating joy and happiness and fun and helping to grow those out as a yeah. counterpoint to the, the negative. Yeah. So exactly. So we're starting to like help people to understand that they can continue to, even though, you know, people have different degrees of, of freedom in terms of what they can actually change in a work setting, but they, they still have some choices that they can make how they're thinking about their lives and what they're doing. So we start to focus on, you know, those areas that they have, you know, enjoyment. We start to focus on purpose, like big P purpose, like what's your purpose in, in life? What, what do you want? Little P purpose, like what are the things like that are true to your character and your values that are purposeful activities that, that you can engage on in, in, in a, on a regular basis um, that again, give you pleasure, give you joy. Um, 
What are you curious about? Let's follow some curiosities. And what are you good at? And let's add more of that stuff in there too. Gavin here. Just let's pause and go back over some of the points or the steps of advice that Manuel gave us. Number one, a commitment to stop wallowing in your own negative thinking. Number two, turn off, tune out any negative things, turn away from any negative people in your life. The news, for example, is a great source, particularly in sort of COVID times and enduring challenges around that. It's just like full of negativity all the time. Just tune that out of your life. It's adding no value. If anything, it's dragging you down. Um, Diet, number three, diet and exercise, critically important. Number four, get more sleep in this season uh, we've had a specialist deep you know with um, dr david lee when we did a deep dive on the importance of sleep fascinating episode and if you haven't listened to that already i I really encourage you to do so Uh, number five um start to have more gratitude start to notice what is making you smile what you can be happy about what you're good at what you can be curious of Pay attention, in other words, to what's working in your life rather than the stuff that's not working. And on that point, when if you're feeling in a bit of a state of burnout, there is this tendency in the human brain to kind of generalize everything that's going on. So take one little thing that you may be struggling with, may not be good of, and making it into everything is going wrong, you're failing at everything. You want to make a distinction about one thing that's gone wrong or a fail rather than the verb of failing. Because they, if it's a, if you make it a verb, failing, it means it's an ongoing process. Hey, we, we only way, the only way we grow is to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. So we have fails in our life. That's okay. That's part of growth. That's part of learning. And if we're curious about how we can do better, that's great. Change the language away from failing. Stop that right now. Stop looking at what you're succeeding at. Where are you progressing? Where are you developing? Where are you improving? So notice, make the verb the positive thing, but make the negative aspect a one-off, a noun, something that was in the past tense. So let's say, for example, the well, this starts. This whole conversation starts about burnout, entrepreneurial burnout at work. And they find enjoyment through, you know, your example, coaching the kids' soccer, the kids' football team, um, maybe going for a, you know, a trip out with the family at the weekend. Um, do you get, how do you respond when somebody says to you, well, that's all well and good in my private life, in my family life, but that's not where the problem is. My problem is in work. And that doesn't count because I'm actually struggling here in work i get that that emptiness going back onto that treadmill you spoke about earlier on so they've compartmentalized their brain and the things that you're trying to suggest are are the good news they're they're discounting because they're not in relation to work um i mean i'll give you an example i was just talking to someone this morning who's got a successful company has gotten very very burnt out and and i'm talking to him about what he does, how he spends his time at work. He's, he's the owner of, of the company. And he's talking about, you know, he's getting all these, uh, you know, a hundred phone calls a day and 50 texts a day. And he's spending six hours uh, a a day in the office, just kind of solving these problems. Um, And, you know, when I asked him like, what, what are the things that, that you, 
kind of liked doing like like what what is it you know so what he liked doing was um hiring people interacting with customers selling watching the company grow uh and he's spending all his time you know in the weeds of something that can be uh you know there are people who can do that for him and and put him a hundred percent uh in the areas that that are interesting to him and that he's good at uh and and people lose sight of that uh you know he's incredibly bored and stressed out with the the you know running of the business with with what he thinks you know is important that only he can do but you know the the freedom is you don't have to do that right and and there's these other things that that are so interesting to you and that you're really good at um mm-hmm. You know, one of the common areas that in, in this day and age I, I hear from a lot of the business owners that I talk to is, you know, it's so hard to hire good employees. He has no troubles hiring good employees. They flock to him. They love working for him. He's a great guy. And, and that's where wow. he needs to be spending his time and energy, right? Um, yeah. So I'm reminded of that Michael Gerber quote, you should only do what only you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And so many founders because they had to in the early days wore so many hats and they get drawn back into the firefighting the solving of the problems instead of finding somebody else that can run ops run the operations of the business and they can stay in the strategic place in order for that business to grow wherever that 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 place is that you know you can only do what you can do so so wherever that is right whether it's the 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 visionary where there's the strategy but um it's true. And he's done a great job of outsourcing much of his work. He's got a lot of, you know, he's got a great team around him. Um, but, but there's like one more step that, that he needs to take. Hey, Gavin here. What elements, what things in your business do you love doing? Do you notice that you're brilliant at? And of course, the fact that you're really good at it and you get fantastic results, maybe even in an area where others struggle, like the example just given about recruitment. Where are you brilliant and get enjoy doing it, get fun, extraordinary results? And also, in contrast, what are the areas in your business that like drain the life force out of you? Look to delegate the areas that drain the life force maintain responsibility hold the people clearly accountable for delivery against a key set of targets then put your brilliance your energy your focus into the things that revitalize that sustain that generate energy there's a clue there isn't there the things that we enjoy we feel great doing that's that's a like an inner compass that's guiding us towards hey do more of that stuff and of course even better if that's creating a point of differentiation in your business given for example that recruitment example so you know so many people in business running their own businesses or in a role within business assume that they have to do all the stuff in some case good or bad or indifferent they enjoy in some cases that is the case but in other cases you do have choice and see what you can do to focus and spend and invest more of your brilliance your creativity and your energy into the stuff that you love and are brilliant at and delegate areas where you're less so you as part of your team will increase the team's performance will increase significantly by a result of doing this it's okay i give you permission what you find stops people taking that step 
because I'm sure if you if you were to ask them what do they need to do to solve the problem, they'd probably be able to tell you. What do you think gets in the way and stops them? Well, I'll, I'll tell you a story. Right? So, so for um, the last four years, the the dialogue I've been having in my head. Um, I, I have a private practice that that's full of patients, and I want to build up my coaching practice, and I have to um, like do something to increase the revenue from my coaching so that I can like, you know, see less patients. Um, and it's been a problem that I've been looking at, you know, from, from all angles for, for a long time. And it finally occurred to me, it, I finally, uh, the roadblock in my head was that I didn't want to hire additional associates. Um, because in my head, there was a belief that that would add drama to my day. Um, okay. It would add complexity. It would be just a, you know, uh, an additional source of frustration. And um, I, I belong to several um, entrepreneurial organizations. And I was talking to a, a buddy of mine in one of them. Uh, and he said like, well, what if it, would be like a really good experience to hire people that like really were good workers and they were fun to work with. <laughs> like That would be awesome. Um, but that was the roadblock. That was like one little question. And, um, you know, it freed me up to, to make a change. So it's almost always some belief system that, that we have stuck in our head. Another common place that we'll see belief systems that get stuck in our heads is around the idea of taking time off. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So if I take time off, everything's going to come to a halt and, you know, break down. Um, and, and in reality, it's one of the most critical things that we need to do for ourselves and also for our company. Um, you know, the company needs to, you know, have the, uh, policies, procedures, and the people in place that the owner can take time off without being bombarded with, with problems, right? And back to your, you know, one of your earlier comments in this conversation about that you were trained, you were schooled into um, feeling the need to work hard. Yeah. Uh, I, I certainly grew up with a phrase from my father, anything worth having in life is worth working for. And I found myself uh at moments when I could take some time off, say middle of the week, instead of being in present in the moment, thinking, oh, I'm somehow cheating. I'm somehow um, skiving. I'm, I'm not doing what I should be doing. So I punish myself. I feel guilty for yep. taking time off yep. instead of being really present. Yep. And I almost forget in that moment that I'll have made up those hours at a weekend or in an evening or something like that. But in that moment, I'm not giving myself the permission to be fully present and enjoy, appreciate and be grateful for that time off. We almost get addicted to the hard work, don't we? Yes. Um, and, and we lose sight of the fact that when we do give ourselves that uninterrupted, you know, with permission time off, like I'm not connecting with work. It, it starts a bit of a virtuous cycle where we, we get renewed, refreshed, more creative. We're more focused when we come back. We've got more energy when we come back. And, and in fact, it, it kind of that downward cycle that you were, you know, so, so well describing when you're 
bitter and cynical and, and kind of getting tunnel vision to how bad things are, um, you know, it, it is, com- you know, mitigated by, by some simple things. So the time off at, um, at, a, at a symptomatic level, um, the reboosting of energy, um, the positive cycle that, that you just talked about is, is there, it's visible in terms of kinesthetically, you start to feel better in who you are. However, at a deeper level, from 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 a, from, you know, from your professional experience, what does what's the impact of giving yourself a break? And I know that can mean not only a physical break, but internally your mental dialogue and your self criticism, etc. By giving yourself the the break and being able to be present and appreciative and enjoying some time off. What's that reaffirming? I guess I'm I'm I'm, I'm sniffing for. Is it something about self worth? Is there some deeper process going on other than the symptomatic stuff that we've described? Um, I think that there's a, a couple of different steps there. So the the first steps is that when someone is not used to taking time off and you give them time off, oftentimes that can be uncomfortable. You don't know what to do with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to. The start the, the structure a little bit with, with the time off, what you're going to do and, and how you're going to do it um, and what's, what's good for you. I think the, the other piece that starts to happen in, in part of what I work with is the fact that you know, we often think of uh, happiness as being the end product of success. You know, when I grow my company, I'm going to be really happy. And, and what we start to learn is that happiness is actually the driver of success. Ooh, let's go further on that one. That's a gold nugget. Happiness yeah. is the driver of success. Yeah, yeah. Explain that, please. Um, people who are happier tend to be more successful. You know, they reach their goals. They, they um, engage they are more inspirational to the people around them. There's many studies that have been done. I mean, I can share a couple of them with you. So um, one, when I first trained in psychiatry, it was thought that we all had a happiness set point that was based on our nurture, our upbringing, and our genetics um, you know, the, the nature that, that we had gotten. And, you know, wherever that set point was, that was all that we had for happiness. And then the positive psychology movement came along and they really helped us to, to see that, in fact, there was um, levers that we could pull that could impact our, our levels of happiness. And a very easy lever to pull is gratitude. When, when you are looking for gratitude in your life, when you have a gratitude practice where you're actually taking the time to write down your gratitude in the morning or at night, it doesn't have to take very long. But the fact that we're doing that on measures of happiness impacts levels of happiness. So there was a... Um, uh, a business, and I forget the, the exact business, it was an insurance business selling some insurance products. Um, and they 
got the manager to allow a research team to come in and start a gratitude practice and said, you know, let's see if it improves anything in the company. And the, the guy who was managing didn't believe in any of this hokey pokey stuff. He's like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, but we'll count the beans and we'll see what happens. Um, and in fact, there was a significant improvement in, in, you know, revenue being generated by the very simple act of gratitude in the morning. Um, and you can amplify just from, from gratitude in the morning with like a little writing about your gratitude to like a two minute email, you know, think of someone you're grateful for, compose no longer than two minutes, you know, an email to them and hit send. Um, that amplifies it even more. But the, the starting to, to look at uh, happiness as something that we put as central to our lives, life by design rather than by default. Um, and, and happiness, you know, the on-ramp is energy. So we talked about the energy, the initial things that you do. And then for me, the pillars of happiness, number one is learning and growing. We're never finished products. Like when we stop doing learning and growing, you know, it, it, it's just very hard to, to continue to, to flourish. Um, connections, right, are, are connections with significant others, family, community, tribes, the contributions that we're making, the Third is the idea of blazing your own trail. And we talked about that a little bit, you know, purpose, autonomy, what are you good at? What are you curious about? But it's designing that no matter what the, the you know, position that you're in where you may not have a lot of agency to make changes, but you can with this. And then the fourth is, you know, the idea of, you know, committing to enjoying the ride that so many of us are prisoners to the negative self-talk that we have in our heads. And then in fact, we have more choice in what we pay attention to that's going on in our heads. Uh, and, and it's not always easy and, and it's not really um, uh, safe or, or fair to say like, don't have, negative emotions, like emotions are going to be there that are negative, something bad happens, you have negative emotions, but we don't have to stay stuck and trapped with them, right? So, so there's valid reasons that we can have negative emotions, negative experiences, but we still have choice over the attitude that we continue to have in, in how we're showing up. Um, I think that's a really powerful list. So by way of summary, the, the, if energy is the on-ramp, then the four factors to help you develop more and experience more happiness is learning and growing, connections, blazing your own trail, and committing to enjoying your ride. And you think what many business owners, many entrepreneurs have experienced over the last sort of 14 months or more of, of the pandemic, um, their connections have diminished significantly. Uh, many people have worked for significant times from home. Um, the blazing of their own trail has probably they've been they've been at reaction, haven't they? They've been firefighting, so there's been much less autonomy, much less purpose going on. 
uh, again, because of the problem solving, maybe they've had less opportunity to learn and grow and to learn from peers and bounce ideas off from peers. Um, and the, the 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 ride probably felt more like um, a torturous marathon for some. So you right. can understand why uh, if if happiness is an antidote to burnout, that all those factors you've just mentioned probably is hardly any surprising there's been an increase in burnout. Absolutely. Absolutely. Commitment to enjoy the ride. I'm fascinated about that. So let's say somebody's having a challenging time within their business and they are stuck in the firefighting and they are stuck in operations. They do the gratitude thing. And for the moments in time when the writing or visualizing or the, the points of life, the, the experience that they're grateful for, it's a smile on their face. They become alive. And then they go into the day-to-day, you know, workplace or over Zoom or whatever. And the reality of the day-to-day takes them so far away from the gratitude piece, they're back into feeling burnt out or negative or cynical. So I know many people listen to this will have heard about and maybe even practice gratitude, but it doesn't get them to the point of happiness. Yeah. It doesn't get them to the point of being able to enjoy the ride. And I'd like to probe that a bit more, What, how you help people with that bit. Uh, an important concept around it becomes that that's something that we can get better and better at. Um. It's not like riding a bicycle where you have it or you don't. Um, so the, the growth mindset around, you know, I can be better and better at not being kind of washed away by my negative thinking and my, my negative attitude. So you can still be tired after a hard day at work where you're, you're putting in the time and the hours and there's problems. But the attitude that you're working to cultivate, you know, showing up open and accepting and curious. Um, and when you get washed away with the day-to-day that, that you can get yourself back faster and faster to uh, uh, an attitude that's, that's more enjoyable. A lot of times what I think about is, you know, uh, when I work out, I have some workouts that I do that are like intense and they hurt and I'm, I'm not enjoying my workout when my muscles are screaming and I'm short of breath and there's still, you know, 10 minutes to go on the rower, you know, uh, and, and my body's saying stop and my brain's saying, why don't you just stop today? Like, you don't have to do this, <laughs> yeah. right? I am not enjoying the ride in that moment. Um, but almost always, you know, I finish it up. And at the end of the day, it's like, that was good. That was good. Um, so to me, there's two, there's two parts of that that I really want to just explore. Yeah. One is what you say to yourself in the moment when there's 10 minutes to go on the rower yeah. that causes you to see the distance. So in your case, what is it that you would say to yourself? Um, there's, there's various things. I'll stop looking at the time. Like, you know, that's a metric oh, wow. that will like mess me up. Um, and and I focus on, you know, something that's smaller and and there's some, you know, some themes that, that I can just kind of, you know, 
tell myself to, to pump myself up, like, you know, championship round, like, this is like where the change happens, you know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know goofy little things like that. But yeah. I'll, I'll just focus on, um, you know, technique form, like maintain the form, maintain the technique. Uh, but, but things that are, uh, taking me away from how terrible I, my, my body is feeling and how badly I want to quit. Like, I'm not gonna, like, I'm not gonna do a negotiation with my brain about whether I should stop or not. Like that, that's, that's going to be miserable. In that moment, as um, you're being really fully present in your body and, and out of your head, your head saying, come on, stop. How am I going to do another 10 minutes? But you're being, no, that's non-negotiable. That's happening. The 10 minutes are happening. So you focus on form. You focus on the experience and being present in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the other part of it, I think, is it's something about the meaning that you associate with it. So, yeah. and, and let's expand it out to, to, to back to the place of work there's going to be times in business that it doesn't feel in the moment, like your workout doesn't feel in the moment that it's enjoyable. Your ability to help that be contributory rather than um, negative and draining. Is it to do with the meaning you put, you know, you, maybe you've had a customer that's gone, you know, a big account you've lost or a big bad debt because a customer has gone bust. Is there something there about the meaning, the learning, the opportunity for growth that, that you can associate with it that helps? hundred uh, percent. Um, so the, the meaning, the story that you tell yourself in your head, right? So when we, when we allow ourselves to wallow in the thoughts, you know, this is terrible. This is catastrophic. There's no way we can get over this, right? That's like the last 10 minutes. This is terrible. This is awful. Um, but, but that's one story. That's one meaning that you can do. There's another meaning, exactly what you said, you know, what did I learn? Like, how am I, uh, what do I do next? Uh, there's many other aspects that you can focus your, your mind on that allow this to be, you know, part of a journey because stuff's going to happen. Um, it is inevitable that a business is going to go through things. Um, you know, partnerships like break up, uh, people lose money, employees betray you. Um, there's, there's things that are going to be part of that journey. And, and the story that you tell yourself, the meaning that you ascribe to it, you know, is really that, that hero's journey that, that you're on um, to, to like continue to go on. Um, and, and the, the more you can distance yourself from that story of, you know, how miserable it is to be working like this, the, the easier it gets. I'll, I'll tell you another quick story. So I started a practice probably 2015. It was just a silly little thing, but I heard this gentleman, uh, by the name of Wim Hof. Oh yes. Uh, you know, Wim Hof. The Iceman. The Iceman. And he was being interviewed, I think it was with Tim Ferriss. Yeah. And the guy was so jolly. He, he was like the happiest guy I have ever heard interviewed. And I'm like, what is up with that? So I said, you know what? I hate cold water. I, I won't jump in the pool or the ocean if it's cold. I said, let me see if I can do cold showers and, 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 and see if there's something about that that's, you know, kind of regulates your mood or something. And it doesn't. 
But um, one of the things that you discover, I discovered with, with taking cold showers is I still don't like them. And there's a story that I tell myself as I'm approaching the cold shower every single morning I've taken a cold shower since 2015. It's like, oh, I hate this. It's going to be cold. But it's the approach that's hard. Once you get into the shower, after you've done it a while, it's not miserable. The, the experience, it's still cold, but it's okay. Um, the, the story when you're in it is this is tolerable. It's, it's the story heading into it that, that I have to really regulate. Wow. And that, that's, that's a profound insight in, our, in, in its own right is that we create the, the lesson in there for me is that we actually create that pain in our heads in anticipation, of the reality and the reality is never quite as bad yeah. as what we've concocted in our minds. And you, you, the more you do it, then you get some distance from the actual experience, so it's not so miserable. What do you mean? I just want to be clear about the understanding. What do you mean distance from? Are you, is it so, like you're stepping back out of your own head and being a fly it, on the wall watching? Almost exactly that. So the, the water's cold, and I'm like noticing that the water's cold, but the story that I tell myself now versus when I started, which is like, oh my gosh, the water's so cold, I hate this. You know, Now it's like, the water's cold, it's okay. Um, just in like when your brain is screaming for you to stop 10 minutes before yeah. the end, you're, point, you're paying attention to form, you're being present, you're being yes. the observer, you're commentating rather than uh, catastrophizing, rather than creating a drama. Beautifully stated. Perfect. I'm going to write that one down. Commentating <laughs> rather than catastrophizing. That was a good one. Yeah. And often do we like to create drama though in our own heads in our own lives and world and then we have the physiological emotional response to that drama that was just imagined in the first place that's that's like where the source of suffering you know kind of comes in right wow there's a lot so of ground that, yeah you know the source of suffering comes in through I think that also through the, through the story that we're telling ourselves and that level of self-worth. And I think one of the points of opportunity for biggest change then is back to your other earlier point around cynicism and the narrow focus on what's going wrong. And if you start to look at what is going right and expand the focus on what's going right, then, um, then you can start to sow the seeds of improvement. And, and Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach, he says it's, you know, starting to look at making your future bigger than your past. Um, that one, you yeah. know, that, that kind of is, is part of the hope formula there too. Yeah. Um, for those of you that listened to the podcast before or, or read my, uh, my book, Survive and Thrive, you will know that I like sailing. And I'm drawn to the background, um, Manuel's uh, office, and he's got a painting of a seascape and it's a rough sea. And there's a yacht sailing, powering through those waves. And um, the more I've been looking at that, the more that I actually believe there's a very apt metaphor or message in that in terms of the work that you do. And I'm just wondering, I've got, I've got a hypothesis. Can I share that with you? Sure, sure. As a sailor, as having been out in sea states like that, it's about um, you're finding a way of harnessing nature, no matter how rough the journey is or how hard the journey is, you are sailing through it and you are con you're gaining some kind of forward progress and control 
out of the turmoil that you're going through on the journey. Yeah, so so that's interesting. Like everybody gets their 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 um, inspiration from that painting. So the boat going through the storms with the light at the end. When I started my private practice, um, you know, 20 years ago, I was literally looking for a, a, a painting. I had an image in my mind of what I wanted, and I love pictures uh, of of boats on the water. Um, and I was looking and I was looking and uh, I was visiting my sister in Richmond, Virginia. And I told everybody what I was looking for. So they'd be looking for me. And she said, uh, you know, I don't know if they've got this stuff, but there's this, you know, high-end mall that they've opened up next to my house. And I know they've got a, a gallery in there. Like, why, why don't we go take a look at it while you're visiting? And there was a Thomas Kincaid uh, gallery. Thomas Kincaid is a painter of light. And he usually does cottages, but he has some um, seascapes and lighthouses and some. So this was one of his. Uh, and it was like the second I saw it, I, that was the one. And, and for me, the, the, the painting is called Perseverance. Mm -hmm. um, and it really is, like you say, it's about weathering that storm um, and that there's, there's hope, there's light at the end of the storm. And sometimes I like to imagine that the, the person who's guiding the light, if you're looking at the painting carefully, the boat has a light on the inside and, and it looks like there's someone that's you know, uh, steering the boat. Um, like we don't have to steer and, and be in charge of everything. Like if we kind of persevere and we let the forces that are sailing and moving things along, like, you know, we just kind of trust the process, do our part, um, and, and wait for the, the sun to shine. But that was um, exactly the painting that I had in mind that suddenly showed up. Oh, it's, 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 a, it's a very powerful painting. And it reminds me, and I talk about it in my book, actually, at the time sailing up the coast of Portugal, um, heading up towards the Bay of Biscay. And I was in a 39-foot yacht helping a friend sail it back from Lagos in Portugal back to Portsmouth in the UK. And... Um, I got up on deck one after, one morning, early one morning, and the we were in a 39-foot long boat, but the seas were 20-foot high. And initially, it was incredibly scary, incredibly intimidating. We're bobbing around on our own out there. And I remember having the presence of mind, I had my life jacket on, I was clipped on in a safety harness, um, the rest of the crew done a crew handover, the rest of the crew below decks. And I had a presence of mind to be able to think, I'm either going to let this petrify me or I have a choice to get in awe of the majesty, of the power of the ocean. I chose the latter and two things happened. The first was I learned how to refine my steering technique so we weren't slamming straight into the waves that I would just turn off the top of the wave slightly to ease the wave down. So I enjoyed back to your point and I hadn't realized I was going to go this direction with the telling of the story, but I got learning and growing because I yeah. chose to focus on the technique on the present on how I could be better at sailing in those weather conditions and making progress and keeping the crew safe. And as I was doing that, a pod of dolphins erupted out the face of one of the waves in front of us, which was the most majestic, most fun, most playful experience. And what had been 
moments previously, a source of fear for me was a playground for them. And that reframe in my mind was, well, if they can have fun, so can I. And uh, that will uh, forever stay with me, that lesson learned in that moment. Instead of white-knuckled hanging on, this is scary shit, <laughs> to going, wow, I could enjoy this and I can learn from this. So, so you literally kind of went into the the awe and the the flow, right? Like literally yeah. the the flow. Uh, that's beautiful. What a great story. What a great story. Yeah, great experience. So, for anybody listening, how can they find out more about you and about your business, your next act? So, your next act is my coaching company, and you can yep. find me um, on Manuel Astruc. That's M A N U E L A S T R U C. Uh, dot com right and uh, the significance of the name your next act uh, your next act is the next version of yourself that you're becoming and your next act are the actions that you're actually taking to become that I love that I love that and uh, I noticed just as a final point uh, you, when you talked about the next version of yourself that you're becoming one of the books in the background on your bookshelf is B 2.0 and is that along the same line, lines of becoming the 2.0 version oh, so of that, yourself? That's, a, that's an awesome book it's by Jim Collins who wrote Good to Great oh yeah um, yeah yeah and, and it just came out last year it, it's it was actually his first book that he did with his mentor um, who passed away and uh, last year he did another version of it. So he's got the original version with some, the things that he's learned since then. And it's um, beyond entrepreneurship. Uh, wow. It, it's, a, it's a wonderful book. Right. That's a new one on me. Thank you for the gift of that. I'm a yeah. big fan of Jim Collins's work. I've yeah. read Good to Great and Great by Choice and Built to Last. So um, that's, uh, that, that's one for me to uh, to. to seek out and, uh, uh, and and to get that one thank you so much and thank you for your time today so your url once more please uh, manuel so manuel. it's manuelastruck.com manuelastruck.com thank you so much and uh, i encourage everybody to reach out and um and just check out manuelastruck a-s-t-r-u-c.com thank you manuel oh, it's been a great conversation thank you Thanks for listening to the Business Mastermind Podcast with myself, Gavin Preston. You know, we love to hear from you. Let me know what you think. Like, review, and subscribe on whichever podcast platform you listen to us on. It does make a difference. If you are a regular listener, why not buy us a coffee? You can do this by heading over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash businessmaster. You'll also be able to get access to exclusive content from the guests and myself further insights and information on the featured episodes and how you can get more access for yourself and your business. Mm-hmm.